0: How are you? Is everyone all right? Who's super grateful for the rain that we've had? How amazing. Can we just thank the Lord? Thank you, Jesus, for the rain that you've sent. God, please send more. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us, God. You are good and kind in every season in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you happy to be in church today? I am. Is anyone a little bit still tired from daylight savings happening like it just screws everyone up for two weeks all the time? I'm not a fan. I'm not... A fan. Hey, before we start, really quickly, I, I just wanted to... Kesha, do you just want to stay right here? Right here, yeah. Um, I have in my hand a letter from the Commonwealth Bank from the head of the not-for-profit sector of banking. Mm. And it says this, Dear Kesha, it is with great pleasure we write to you to let you know you've been nominated in the 2019 Commonwealth Bank Not-for-Profit Treasurers Awards. I know, give him a hand. (laughs) Your nomination reflects the appreciation and high esteem in which you are held by the people within your not-for-profit organisation as well as in our wider community. So how fantastic. I totally only knew about this 15 minutes ago, but this is actually for you, Kesha. Hold it up so everyone can see. (laughs) Yeah, fantastic so fantastic and one of our own is appreciated in the wider community so well done Kesha thank you so much for all your work all right when I were when my kids were little we had this they had this song that used to be on play school all the time I don't know if you remember but it went shake 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 your sillies out does anyone remember that Matthew thank you Matthew is my man today because no one else knows I feel like we need to sing, shake, shake, shake your worries out. I'm not going to make you sing it <laughs> today. But oh, I just have this sense this morning that maybe we've come in here with a few worries, with a few, I don't know, just just weights on us. And I just wanted to remind you today that we are here, we're a family. You can shake those worries out. If you want to do the actions, go for it. it goes like this. It's easy. Shake your worries out. Some of you are doing it great. <laughs> awesome. So... The reason that we can do that is because no matter what is going on, this is not part of my message, but I just want to share this this morning. And you know it, God is good all the time, in every season, in every situation, he is faithful. And maybe our situation isn't great, but God is always faithful. He's always good and always kind. Okay, grab your Bibles. We're going to look at James chapter 1 today. So a lot of the time what we do in churches like ours is preach topically, so we pick a topic and we, maybe it's about, I don't know, I can't think of anything right now, but we pick a topic and then we look through the Bible and see what the Bible says about that and that's great and I love that method of preaching, it's awesome. Um, This morning we're just going to actually begin to read through the book of James and we will over the next few weeks as well. So we've got Bron speaking next week and the week after I will uh, do part three. So are you ready? Ready? So we're going to begin with the first chapter of James and we're just going to figure out what principles we can draw from the book of James and what other scripture in the Bible gives us a fuller picture of what James is saying. Is that all right? So slap on your Bible nerd hats. No one's doing it. (laughs) This is just part of our family situation, right? Our kids are a little bit Bible nerdy and I really love it. We were watching The Hobbit last night. Of the Hobbit, the second one. It's, a, it's pretty scary. Don't let your kids watch it. And um, there was this bit where this, they were describing this scary guy and um, it was like, you know, really spooky and, he, and the, the narrator was like, it said that he raises the dead. And Joseph's like, it's Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. <laughs> close, close. <laughs> uh, so, yes, life on your Bible nerd hat. So we're going to look at the context and background of James today. So look at the person next to you and say, you're a Bible nerd and I love it. (laughs) So (laughs) here's some, you're like, what? No, it's good. Being a Bible nerd is a good thing. So here's some historical context. Up until now, here's what's happened. Jesus has been born. He has lived a life that changed the world forever. (laughs) He is crucified. He forgives all of humanity for everything forever. You can cheer. Right? Whoa, that's amazing. He reconnects people to God. He welcomes everybody into that. And he leaves the church with the Holy Spirit to help us do what we need to do. I don't know if we're just used to hearing this all the time, but can we just take a moment and realize how amazing this is? that God hasn't left us on our own, that he sent Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. We're used to it because we're church people. This is not a normal thing. This is a supernatural, amazing, world-changing, amazing thing. Amazing. (laughs) So then we have Paul coming on the scene, radically changed life, forms the early church, and we see after that there's actually a council that's put together to figure out how people who are not Jews like Jesus was how they can be integrated into the church into the family of faith and this is where James comes in so the writer of James is widely accepted to be the brother of Jesus can you imagine <laughs> my brother is an anglican pastor anglican minister and he has a beard And he intimidates me, and he's not even Jesus. Like, can you imagine that? Can you imagine? (laughs) Crazy. So um, he takes on James takes on the the leadership of this first chunk or this first group of the very early church, like the first ever Christians, the first ever followers of Jesus. No pressure, no pressure the first ever community, and it wasn't all, you know, roses and sunshine. The first Christian community had a lot of struggles. So they faced poverty, they faced persecution, and, you know, a bunch of other stuff that was going on at the time. Now, because James was the brother of Jesus, he was also raised in the tradition of the Jews, and so we see two main influences in his writing. The first is Jesus' teaching, because he was there when Jesus said all the things that he said. Um, But he also, the second influence is the book of Proverbs that we find in the Old Testament. And so we have this really cool balance of the, the wisdom of the Old Testament, the wisdom of Proverbs, and a guy who is like, I heard Jesus say this. This is what he actually said. How cool is that? So cool. So cool. So we have famine, persecution, and poverty. They're all things that are happening to this early group of people. And so as well as all of this, people are trying to figure out what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? Because no one's really done it before, have they? <laughs> not in this way, but they've known God in, with the law and with the prophets, but they've not, really, they've not really followed anyone quite like Jesus, the Son of God, the like personification of God. So it is pretty special and pretty amazing. So James, I was going to say Paul, I get them mixed up in my head. The other day I called Andrew Paul just been like reading my bible too much <laughs> so <laughs> sorry honey <laughs> oh man so james james the book of james that we're about to read it's not a gospel book it's not a theology book it's not a how to become a follower of jesus book But it's basically, if you're a Christian, this is how you should act. This is how you act like one. And that's basically what it is. I've heard it described as a beautifully crafted punch in the guts for anyone who wants to follow Jesus. So there you go. (laughs) James is a condensed version of everything that he's heard Jesus say, his experience as a leader, and his understanding of the Jewish scriptures. So that's a pretty massive thing, isn't it? So it's almost like he thought, if I had to teach everybody... Everything that I've learned about leadership, God, Jesus, the Bible, the Word, this, is, this would be it. So if you hate reading, <laughs> but you want like all of the Bible summed up, you should read James. <laughs> it is a super condensed version. Some people call it an action-packed version. Can you say action-packed? Action-packed. <laughs> cool. So let's read um, James chapter 1 and we'll read verses 1 to 8. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. And then he just jumps straight into it. Like, that's the nicest thing. And then he's like, consider it pure joy, my brothers, (laughs) wherever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom... He should ask God, who gives it generously, without finding fault, how good is that? And it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all he does. So James urges the people to stand firm under persecution and endure all types of trouble. And he tells them to pray for wisdom and encourages them not to doubt um, that the Lord will answer their prayers. Now I read this and I think, okay, that's simple. Don't doubt that God will give you wisdom. Don't doubt in general And, um, and God will help you. That's simple, isn't it? (laughs) But oftentimes, who knows what's simple is not always easy. It's different, isn't it? (laughs) So I would want to back it up here and say to James, can you just stop, stop, and tell me how to do that? Because James is what? James is action-packed, isn't it? Yes, it is. But the Bible is so cool because there are so many other letters and accounts in the Bible that give us the nitty-gritty of what it actually means When we read things in James that are so kind of in your face and condensed, (laughs) so we need to look around, don't we? We need to look around the Bible. Where else does the Bible talk about trusting God? Where else does the Bible talk about trials of many kinds? And so we put together a fuller picture. So we don't just read one book. So what I said before, don't just read James. You should read the whole Bible as well. (laughs) Ah, So that's really cool. So James is speaking specifically to the issue of doubt here and like being double-minded. And for you and I, I think it translates pretty well still in our culture because it's something that everybody faces, isn't it? You can put your hand up if you've ever doubted. Dad. And not just, I'm not just talking about you've doubted that God is real. I'm just talking about you've doubted that He maybe he even loves you or that he's close to you or that he can help you. I've been there. And, you know, that's just a thing. It's just part of life, isn't it? Especially when things are tough. Um, but I think that this this verse that we've just read, this passage that we've all just read, it also leads us just to assess the importance of right thinking. Can you say to the person next to you, right thinking? Because we don't want to be double-minded, do we? We don't want to be tossed around, do we, like the waves of the sea? We want, we want godly right thinking to create stability in our lives. So I just wanted to talk about this thinking, this, the idea of the right thinking for a moment. Because I think it's something that is really big. And sometimes we learn something to a degree, but then we relearn it in the next season of our lives to a greater degree. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I can say with absolute honesty and from personal experience that some of the most painful, difficult, life-changing and holy work is done in the way that we process and respond to our thoughts. Thanks, Dave. I've had to do some serious thinking recently, just asking God to help me with the way I respond to my thoughts and my emotions. Almost always I will choose a negative response or a negative course of action when I am believing wrongly about who I am in Christ. You've heard it a thousand times, right? If you're not a Christian or if you're not a Bible person or a church person, all that means who I am in Christ, all that means is who I am in light of what God has said about me and done for me. That's all it is. Right thinking is holy work because in disciplining ourselves, in our mind and our emotions, we can better respond to life in a way that truly honours God, not that just looks like we do. So here's how our culture underappreciates the weight of right thinking. We say to someone who's maybe they've planned a massive event and thousands of people have attended or someone has built a house or someone has finished a degree. We say, wow, you've worked so hard. This is such good work. And it is, isn't it? It is. It's amazing. It's worthy of being recognised. And we should recognise it and we should honour it. Just like we did with Rach and Suresh a couple of weeks ago. Just like we did with Kesha this morning. Congratulations, Kesha. Um... (laughs) But sometimes we're so busy that we rarely allow another person to talk about this is the fear that I've overcome, this is the insecurity that I've overcome and I wonder if as the church we we could become those people who hear those things, hear the stories of people, hear the things that people have overcome and say wow that is good work, what you are doing is good work, that is good and holy work. The emotional and mental work that you've done to be where you are, that is good work. It's not a lesser form of work. In fact, all other beautiful work flows from the good work of the heart and the spirit, the work that you've chosen of responding to God in a beauty for ashes kind of way. So, remembering the reason that Paul is a... uh, Paul. That Andrew... No, James. That James... (laughs) That James is addressing, these people that James are, is addressing, these, this double-mindedness, this, um, pe- these people in famine and persecution. What are some other scriptures that help us with this? Because James is action-packed, right? So we need to look in other places to expand our understanding of this book. So what are some verses that inform right thinking? Because we all need a framework for right thinking, don't we? Otherwise we are blown around and tossed by the wind, like we said. So I've got a few here to read for you. The first one is James chapter 1, verse 16, which we will get to in a few weeks. It says, Every good thing comes from God, what does it say? Who doesn't change like shifting shadows. How good is that? Psalm 9, verse 10, it says, And those who know your name and put their trust in you, O Lord, have not, you have not forsaken those who seek you. Hebrews 13, verse 6 says, And we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? It's like it's saying, what's the worst that could happen? The Lord is my helper. Romans 12, chapter 2, it says, Don't become so well adjusted with your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. That's how you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. And Romans 15, verse 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. You may abound in hope. So back to James chapter 1. You got, if you've got your Bibles, you can... Oh, you probably didn't. All oh, good. James chapter 1. Um, and we're going to look again at verses 9 to 11, where we pretty much will finish up today, really. Uh, let me read it for you. It says, The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high, in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position... Because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Now that sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? But what is James? It's action-packed. So we need to consider other places what's happening elsewhere in the Bible that can help us understand this. So obviously, James is encouraging believers with the issue of poverty here, because this is what's happening, isn't it, in their life right now? Um, that's what they're experiencing. And so James doesn't—he's not saying that money is bad. He's not saying that it's evil. He's not saying that rich people are bad or evil. <laughs> and you know, by the stand, by the standard of that day, everybody in this room would be rich and bad (laughs) so we need to keep things in context don't we so he and he isn't saying oh poor you or poor us either that's not what he's at where he's at what he's saying is he's making the point that riches just don't last forever they don't and so what is the right thinking here that we can pair up with this condensed wisdom in James it's that we must place our hope and trust well Money, like we've read, it comes and goes. People aren't perfect. Things can change in a blink of an eye, can't they? Life changes so fast. There are actually heaps of things that we put our trust in that will, some, will fail us at some point. Who knows that to be true? Right? Newcastle Knights. And uh, it's true. <laughs> I love you. just feel like our team's let us down. Anyway, Andrew's brother Frank got married last weekend. Everyone go, oh, yeah, it was so nice (laughs) and um, at the wedding, I I got to have a chat with one of Andrew's aunties and um, she's so incredible and she's someone who's experienced just just a bunch of hardships in her life, just so many things that would probably (laughs) knock most of us over but she's just still going, she still loves God, she's still living passionately, she's an amazing woman. And so she's so generous to have allowed me to share this story with you um, because she totally totally believes that there are things that God teaches us that they're not just meant to be kept for us. How beautiful is that? Even through her pain, even through her hardship, she's like, yes, tell this story. Amazing. (laughs) So she was talking about visiting her husband in a nursing home. This is her second husband. Her first husband um, died of cancer, of a brain tumour. And so happily married for years and years to this wonderful man and he's now in a nursing home and he has pretty advanced dementia and she really loves him so much um but every time she visits she's reminded that he doesn't actually remember who she is <laughs> so she'll say it's me I'm your wife and he just doesn't he just doesn't remember and um she expressed how heartbreaking this is and I'm sure you can sympathize um, she also recalled her life of raising children and just feeling really unappreciated in the role of a mother. She was telling me how she got a job once the kids were a bit older and um, she she told me how proud she felt when she got her first paycheck, <laughs> like someone thought she was good enough and worthwhile enough to pay her money. Amazing. She thought it was amazing after doing all of this mothering of little children for years and years. Um, but she linked these two stories together for me when she... Uh, with the thought that even putting hope in good things, like a spouse or a job, haven't ultimately satisfied her. The potential to lose hope in life because she had placed them in human, imperfect things was real. And is real, isn't it, for us? Yeah. The question that started the journey, this journey for her um, was just in a Bible commentary that she read which said, ask for the Holy Spirit to help you remain devoted to God and satisfied only in him. That's a costly and precious thing to learn, isn't it? So on placing our trust and hope, well, what, what does the rest of the Bible say? What can we read other than what James has said? What can we read about this? So we've got Psalm 33, verse 20 to 22, and it says, We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Proverbs 3, 5 to 8, it says, Trust the Lord with all your heart. You know it. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. But then it says, Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. But listen to this it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. It's saying that trusting the Lord will be your healing. How amazing is that? And lastly Matthew 6:25 to 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single day to your life? And and so why do you worry about your clothes? See the flowers of the field, they don't labour or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these." If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, ye of little faith? (laughs) So do not worry, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? For everybody runs after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom. Seek what? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has a trouble of its own. And Lamentations, verse three, or chapter three, verse 21 to 25, it says, "Yet this I call to mind." Now this is interesting because in the verses preceding this, it's talking about trouble, 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 trouble. <laughs> trials, 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 hard things, right? And then he, And then it gets to this point where it says, "Yet this I call to mind." So that tells me two things, that in my circumstance I need to take action and that action is I need to remind myself. I, this I call to mind. This I call to mind. The importance of right thinking, yeah? This I call to mind and therefore, because I have called this to my mind, therefore I have hope. Because the Lord's, because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him and to the one who seeks him. But just in finishing up, if we could remember that right thinking and practical devotion, like we read in James, they actually go hand in hand, don't they? So if we could think of anything this week, maybe we could use these two questions. The first is, where do I need to develop right thinking and not be double-minded where do I need to develop right thinking and the second one is where am I placing my trust am I placing my trust well am I tracing my, placing my trust in the Lord who doesn't change who doesn't shift like shadows so that I won't be blown and tossed by the wind His thoughts are higher than my own. I can trust him 100% even when things are tough. He doesn't change. There's no other person that can take his place.